Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. All right, how are you guys doing? Today's episode is sponsored by Paint Your Life. Yes, Paint Your Life. We got Willie. Willie's here. He's actually going to be able to talk a little bit louder for us today. <laughs> he was really tired last time he was on here. Like, when I mean tired, he was he was pretty much out of it. So I, I'm unslept in like three days. My voice is still way off, but we're all good. We're back. I'm well. We're back, and so are the uh, the Russians. Decided that uh, to hop over the border into their own country. They're also back inside of Ukraine, which we're going to talk about here. And it's like you know, you guys remember I was talking about the, the Russia invasion by the Russians. It didn't really go. Too well, and I guess uh, Ukraine also decided to take down or attempt to take down a ship, a Russian ship. Um, I'm not really. It did this in broad daylight. I'm gonna go ahead and show some footage of that. You guys I have a lot of that. notes on this too. Do you? Okay, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna let you talk about and that because typically Willy fashion, we're gonna go way down it. Oh, part. good. I'm excited. Gonna go back to 17th century. Oh, really? <laughs> no, we won't go that far. But that's we'll what I've been reading. Okay, what? No, I want to hear it because I haven't heard any bit of this. But we can, we can go over it. No, go right now. No, you want to go over it? I think it was almost false flag because. Oh, it was yeah. done during daylight. Why in the world would the Ukrainians do this during daylight? It makes no sense. Well, it depends how that how that kamikaze drone should be steered. Also, though, like if it's steered off a camera, you may have to do it in the daylight as well. So yeah. it, it, it's depending of like, will you have more success for the offensive or the defensive nature of these? Like, yeah, of course, the, the ship's defensive measures are going to be better in daylight, or at least some of them. But... Also on the offensive of this kamikaze drone, will it be better on the offensive in the day? So it, it's a really difficult one. But I was sort of searching as well about how the ship is where it's said that it was. Now, there are definitely conflicting reports on where this ship actually was. And Rybar, which is a Russian source of information, has put a dot on their map of where it was. And it's basically coming out of the Bosphorus from Turkey. Now, the Bosphorus mm-hmm. straight. That's right. And... Well, I was sort of like, well, what does this actually mean? Now, the Bosphorus Black Sea, there's been a big talk the last, since the beginning of the war, since even before, but especially the last couple of weeks because the agreements on the grain deals, the grain initiatives, but it's more than grain, agricultural-wide, but the agreements have been going on in Turkey as well, talking about that because it actually finished by when the Russians signed it and the Russians weren't going to re-sign, but they have re-signed over the past real 10 days. So... Basically, what it is, is use of the Black Sea, use of the Bosphorus Strait, and what the limitations are on using that. But we know that the Russians aren't really that satisfied with the deal they got. The whole thing is, we'll re-sign this deal if you lift these restrictions against what we can do. Now, a lot of the restrictions that they're claiming aren't actually on their export, so they're sort of restricting themselves. Like, there is no... Um, restrictions against Russia for the export of like grain, they can do that. Like you know, we've we've put restrictions on Russia for a lot of stuff, but not that. But what Russia's claiming is no. But you're putting restrictions on things like our insurance, our swift payments, things like that to actually export that, increasing the price for grain to external to the wider world. So that's difficult. But my idea was, well, my thinking was at least, can warships cross that strait? And there's a convention called the the Montreux Convention or Montreux, I don't know, it's Swiss names, I don't know what it bloody is. But it was 1936 that basically controls the passage of ships through the Bosphorus and Dardanelles through the Mediterranean Black Sea. And that's where Ukraine and Russia both need their ships to come in and out. And that this does, you know, make civilian ships be able to just cross no worries at all. And that, of course, has been a sticking point for the for grain being exported as well currently. But that warships couldn't cross, and that is actually incorrect. Warships could cross, and of course there are limits on what can cross. Even before this war, you know, an aircraft carrier is not allowed to go through, nor would it fit. But that people were saying that no warship can cross that since the beginning of the war. Now, in the very beginning, Turkey didn't see this as a war. Now that they have... Can warships still cross? Yes, but their home port has to be within the Black Sea. So, if the ship's home port is the Black Sea, 
it can cross. If it's not, it can't cross. So it's it's all over the place with some of this, with maintenance requirements and all all of this as well. But the Turkish Foreign Minister, um, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name, has said, if, has said, if the ship of the war country will return to its port, an exemption is made. We will implement all provisions of the Montrops with transparency. So that ship can cross there. But if it was hit, where it's showing people are saying it was basically just left the Brussels Strait and was hit there. But I've seen no like actually confirmed geolocation this, and I don't think that we will. The geolocation guys always blow me out of the water though of like they're like yeah the sun is here and this cloud is here like when um those two <laughs> russian sioux aircraft took down the american reaper drone i was like well we have no idea where this is going to be because like it's just open blue sky and and they're like well at this camera like it's a 30 mil lens on this so it would look this far away from this bit of land we can see of Crimea the sun's here so this is the time it was fucking wild so we may see something come out and the reason they're thinking it is I've got the name of the ship here somewhere the Ivan curse yeah I, heard, I know why this so, so I did see somebody already do the do the work on this one do the work on how that ship of the how, weird yeah. radar oh uh, the radars like up on the right hand side yeah, All yeah. Right, I saw that I did see that but going back to is it a false flag? Well, I don't know. I don't want to speculate on if it is or isn't. But it would make sense as well with, well, these, like I just spoke about, that these have gone through in Turkey and then Russia's not too happy about still the restrictions put on them. So I guess to a degree, would it be, could you say that, you know, it is a false flag? Russia's trying to show this escalation. Therefore, they can be like, well, we're closing the Black Sea, we're closing use, we're backing out of the grain deal, we're backing out of this, that. Absolutely. Does it give Russia a degree of separation, which we know Russia like? And people pin, pin me on being pro-Russian. No, I'm just anti any bullshit. But Russia love a degree of separation. Look at all of Russia's stuff. Look at them using Novichok uh, against civilians living, or civilians, but ex-spies living in UK, well, at least alleged ex-spies. But there's a degree of separation. Look at the degree of use of chlorine uh, in Syria as well. There's a degree of separation. And it's the same with a lot of the DPR, LPR sort of shit too. Around There's a degree of separation. It's, it's backed by us. They like that degree of separation. And can they hold that, oh, this was a degree of separation, this was, you know, not us, this was a ship coming, uh, this was a kamikaze drone sent from the, the shore. So is it um, complete false flag? Can't really be proven at the moment. Was it not that? Can't be proven either. They said there was three, there's footage of one being engaged by what they're saying is a 14 and a half mil, like, shipborne, um, like, cannon thing. Yeah, it's huge. I don't know over those. That's a big gun though because for anyone who doesn't speak in you know, the rest of the language of millimetres, that 50 cal is 12.7 mil and then this is 14.5. So it's, it's larger than 50 cal again and that doesn't take into account like the grain and the cartridge, whatever. Um, but that that's, it's interesting and if it was hit there, it's hit in a weird place. But it does look very similar to the kamikaze boats yep. we have seen that have actually floated ashore in some areas and have hit other things. So, but can you make up something look like that? Of course you can. Like pe people say they can't. Well, well, Russia is still an industrial power. They can still make shit. They can still make tanks. They can still make artillery systems. Okay, do they struggle for some of the technology that was coming from externally? Absolutely they do. A lot of the thermal stuff was supplied by France up until... Well, before, before the war, but still fairly recently. They struggle on that side. Same with China, they would as well. With anything, with um, microchips, whatever they bloody call them in it. But can they still make shit? Yes. Could they make something that looks like that? A blacked out boat like that, filled with explosives to shoot and blow up? Yes, they can do that. Of course they could do that. So, it, I'm not ruling out anything on this as well. Was the ship sunk? Well, no. Not what we've seen. Ship on Zonk. You know, you know, it's also, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off of from, from sea to land. Because like I told you guys, it seems like the, the Russians actually entered, well, I'm going to say the Russians or the Ukrainian force, we don't know what it is. They attempted to make this like, um, in, I don't know, how do you want to say this? Incursion? I don't, I don't, incursion is what I, the main I, I word what, being used I think, incur, I don't know what I want to call it. School excursion. Okay, okay we'll, call, we'll call that now. Now, Willie believes it's going to be a CIA op is what it was. And <laughs> and that's what he, he tells me. So it's, it, okay, this op was a CIA op. We're going to go down that rabbit hole here. Uh, we that can was, go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> that was used 
to change the media's attention and uh, what they're talking about away from the, the fact the Ukrainians had lost back. I think that's that could be a good point, I guess. I don't know why the CIA wouldn't get involved in that. But I'm going to share with you guys a video from the from the leader of this group. I'm assuming he was. He held a presser today. Um, Vladimir Putin. В любом военторге, в современной ситуации можно приобрести военную технику любого рода, поэтому я не думаю, что это какая-то экзотика. Второй момент. Да, есть достаточно американской техники, которая была добыта в бою в Бахмуте российской стороной, она переходит из рук в руки. Вот, поэтому таким вещам не стоит удивляться. Now, I guess you guys could see this as being a success in the, in the fact that I, I, I don't know. He can get people, like he was talking about, they, now they have people that want to uprise and want to go against the Russian government. They have the right equipment to do so. I don't know. He's saying that the people are sending him a bunch of messages and they have weapons. I, weapons. I mean, that's a very vague term. I mean, you can use a, 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 a piece of wood or a baseball bat as a weapon. Uh, guns don't kill people. You, people kill people. I don't you know. Yeah, yeah. Guns don't kill people. People <laughs> kill people. Maybe it's an uprising. I don't know. Maybe whatever he thinks. I, I have no idea. Now, the, gov- the Russian government also released a video along with some photos, which I cannot wait to share with you guys uh, from this incursion into their I really don't know what I want to call this thing. It seems a bit fishy, but I'm going to go ahead and play a video for you guys. So you guys know here a couple of days ago, I told you guys about Paint Your Life. I've used Paint Your Life way before they became a sponsor of of, of this uh, of this podcast. I'm gonna tell you guys, I I bought my buddy one for his his wedding. Like this this was my gift to him and his wife, and it was a picture of him with a llama. I think it was it's phenomenal. It's it's great. The order process was absolutely it was easy, easy it was seamless. Uh, I was excited to show him the portrait mainly just because it's really funny. I also had them put a frame around it. Um, when I saw it, I laughed. I said, this is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, what he, I mean, it was so good. He put it inside a video post on Instagram. You could not believe he had it. So if you guys are looking for a great father's day gift and you guys need an idea, paint your life is a hand painted portrait. It's very easy to create, fits almost any budget. And it's also a great gift idea for the ones you guys love. So Paint Your Life transforms your photos into one-of-a-kind, beautiful, hand-painted portraits by professional artists. All you have to do is upload photos to create anything you guys can imagine. Put yourself in a location you guys always wanted to go. Or add a lost loved one to a special occasion to create the portrait of your dreams. You have lots of options. You guys choose the choice. Or excuse me, you guys have the choice to choose your artist, the uh, art medium. If you guys want to do oil, acrylic, watercolor, charcoal, and many, many more. There's a great selection of quality frames as well, which I actually use that as... That was one of the features I selected. I had a nice gold, beautiful frame. Like, it's hanging up in his office. It's, it's pretty funny. It's a very user-friendly platform. Let you guys order a custom-made hand-painted painter in less than just five minutes. You guys also communicate directly with your artist to ensure the portrait is painted just like you like it. And it meets all your, all your needs. So you guys can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at paintyourlife.com and there's no risk. If you guys don't love your final painting, you guys get your money refunded guaranteed. Right now, there is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get the special offer, all you got to do is text the word ROB to 87204. That's ROB, ROB to 87204. Text ROB to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter the most. Now, coming back, as you guys did see inside that video we just shared a second ago, it looked like there was a couple of random videos, or excuse me, vehicles that have been disabled. Uh, you know the ones I've... The ones with the Humvees. The Humvees, yeah. Thing. Okay. The, the lack of dirt that's within the tread of the tires does not make a little bit of... It doesn't really make too much sense. There's literally none. Okay. That's small, minor. Okay, maybe maybe they, it fell off. Gravity's a thing. For one, there is also not a lick of dirt uh, on the front of the vehicles. So if they impacted the front of this berm, they'd go up. You'd think there'd be dirt or something all over the front of There's not. If any of these vehicles, especially the one being um, as heavy as these are, it slams into a hole, you would expect like a large amount of displaced dirt in front of it as well. So if it, I mean, just it's common sense. You smash into something, it's going to go the opposite way, especially when they're this heavy. And also, how did the front, like left tire of that right vehicle, how did that thing get so airborne? 
It didn't leave a single tire mark because it came up and over the berm. So it goes up and over the berm. You'd think it would hit, maybe do some of this, or maybe it hit as it goes. I don't know. Like, it ended up five foot off the ground, which is kind of weird. There's also zero uh, disturbed dirt on the rear portion of the vehicle where it claimed to be hit by something like an RPG. That makes no sense whatsoever either. There's no tire anywhere. Um, it's just straight. It looks to be really old markings as well because they're kind of rusted. Now, the piece that really doesn't make any sense, which adds... Actually, it's a couple of them, but I'm, I'm telling you guys some is the fact that the left vehicle, uh, left part of the vehicle, it seems to be actually drug as it was put into place. So if you guys look at the, excuse me, the right, how do I want to say this? The, the right Humvee inside the photo, the left tire, it was literally put down and then drug like this. There's absolutely no way for dirt to get on the backside of this tire without it being put down and then slid this way. It's, it's literally physically impossible. And there's no way that... It just, everything is out of it. Like the dirt on the front right tire, like when it hits the ground, it shouldn't, it, that should have never happened. Okay. And there was also another one, which I don't know if this is to be true or it doesn't really make any sense to me. Cause I've, I've been inside all these kind of Humvees, like spent many, many hours. There's one that's a, I would like to say it's like a more of a evac Humvee. It's a tan one. The flatbed transporter flat one. Yeah. Something like that. This, this is the one that really didn't make too much sense to me. So if you guys didn't know the, um, the up armored glass that's on this, these things, it's, it's very thick. It's probably legitimately probably about this thick. And it's meant to like, we had some that were hit by like disc rounds and stuff like that. It literally takes, you could hit multiple 50 cal rounds in one of these things as long, as long as it's not in the same spot, it will soak up the impact of one. What doesn't make any sense to me is on one side of the vehicle, it's completely missing. I have no idea. Cause these things are bolted in. I mean, they're, we're talking like something to hold the Titanic together. I have absolutely no idea how, what would what it would take to get one of those. And if something hit the side of that, why the entire portion of that vehicle is still, I have no idea. It's really, really strange. And there's also no blood. That is the most like, I have no idea. There's, there's not a single lick of blood anywhere inside of any of the vehicles. On the outside where you would set, if you guys were to wear a bunch of gear, say you're wearing like 50 or 60 pounds of gear and your vehicle's like this, when you get out of that son of a gun, you're not getting out like, I don't care how the strongest you're, it's going to be a struggle to get out. Like you're going to get out. You're going to roll out on the ground. It's, it's just not going to be easy. You're going to be finally getting out of there. If you're getting shot at, it's just not going to get. And the, and the other thing is, I guess I guess I can speak from personal experience as well. When your Humvee or a vehicle is stuck in a very awkward position, say like this, especially, and you're inside the gunner, like you're going to take that joystick and, or your crank and the easiest way to get out is to actually, the gun is facing this way and the front of the vehicle is down like this. You're going to spin that gun all the way around to the front because it's going to be way easier for you because you're leaning back like this. Like when you're inside the gun and the gun's looking up, you're leaning back. It is going to be virtually impossible for you to slide down through the hatch and or get out. If you just spun the thing all the way around, you'll slide out so quick. If you want to throw that out there. That's just me though. Maybe they didn't have a gun. Maybe they didn't have a guy inside the, the gunner there. And why did they drive down? There was a perfectly good road right in front of them. That was it's, a weird. Thing. It's all over the place. If, if these photos are, are staged, if they're not, it, it, it's the biggest fight on Twitter at the moment ever. And I'm seeing people rebuttal things going both ways. It's it's wild. The dirt displacement makes zero sense. The, the dirt displacement from what I was, because I think you and I looked at the same like breakdown post. Probably, yeah. Makes a lot of sense um, from it. And then, but there is footage of like also artillery impact on vehicles as well in that area. So it, it's so difficult of what the hell's going on there. But I will say those vehicles don't. Like, the size of that culvert, too. There's nothing. Like, it, 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 no, it's, it, it's very interesting. The, like, like, I've seen these Humvees go through some absolutely, like... But you just go around it, too. Why would you, yeah, why wouldn't you go around it? Yeah. And this is the other thing, so... It's not like a Humvee suspension's brilliant. No. <laughs> like... No, you, if I saw a massive hole, I would <clears> want... Because it would be hurt like hell to go through it, for one. Yeah. You're literally sitting inside a gunner. You've, you've got no teeth. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, that, oh yeah. God bless it, boys. Calm yourself. But if it's an MRAP, I've seen MRAP, and I've personally drove MRAPs through wadis in Afghanistan, like straight down and then straight back up. I have no idea how they engineer those protected mobility vehicles, like the MRAPs, Bushmasters, Foxhounds, things like that. They, like, I'm a, I'm a four wheel driver back home. Like, I, that's one of my big things I do is go four wheel driving with my mates, Land Cruisers, Pajeros, whatever. Those vehicles will outdrive them any day. Like twin lockers, or actually three lockers, front, center, rear lockers, massive tires, and a lot of weight. They have incredible off-road. Some of those big vehicles, so fucking insane. But 
that whole thing's just wild of what actually went down. Now, I don't know how many this is. Someone's probably going to correct me. So I, I don't, I, these also could be Chinese made vehicles. And the reason why I was saying this is the lug pattern on the Humvees isn't, isn't the same as GM's. Oh, I couldn't speak to that. <laughs> I know I was reading through oh, the post. No and idea. I would look at the tire and to me, it looks like a, a, a tire, but everybody agrees that apparently the lug pattern on there is not the same. Apparently ours is like 12 or 16. But that would then give an idea to why the bulletproof glass fell out. If it was just Chinese. That's, that's what I'm... <laughs> <laughs> that, did that bulletproof glass thing not make any sense to you? It, it does. Like I know a lot of the glass though is held... Um, it's held from coming in rather than falling out. So like bulletproof glass on a vehicle, the way like the seal is made around the glass, the glass goes in from the outside. So it will not go in like because it's protecting impact from coming into the vehicle. But if from overpressure or something out of the vehicle, then you can, then it can be released. So I know if on it our vehicles, this side, no, but I'm meaning if there was some sort of overpressure in the vehicle, it could come out. Like a lot of that glass actually isn't held in by much because the pressure is coming. Yeah, if it from go, the if it, okay, if you say it like that, yes. If it's coming from the backside, yes. There's absolutely no way unless it got sheared off this way, which still doesn't. Oh, I'm, I'm talking like overpressure inside the vehicle, I just, but which it, wouldn't speak to the blood thing either. But, but that doesn't. There's no blood, and also it's 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 a hard one. And there's explanations of this of why there's so many of like they took it out to use it on something else. Then they didn't want it so they could shoot out of the vehicle. It, it's it's so many. Like, why is it staged? Is it not staged? It's so difficult. With I would with definitely that. not take the window out to shoot out of because all you have to do is pull up and slide back, and that window is now not there anymore. Yeah. When oh, I've never grab onto I've never it. Had and then you to do s- slide yeah. it forward, and the window's right back there. Yeah. You can literally move a a piece of glass is this thick. It is so thick. Grab it, slide it. Oh, it's oh god, no! I I need it back. Yeah. Takes two seconds to do. Yeah. The resistant glass is insane. But the there was really two groups who have claimed these attacks and who are involved who sorry involved in these attacks. And we've seen both of them through their telegrams, their patches, whatever. So there's the Russian Volunteer Corps, the RVC, and the Freedom of the Russian Legion. And you can easily find like their patches and you'll one's like a I don't even know, like a fist, and one's like a spear looking trident thing. I don't know, but there's definitely questions about who raised these, and the RVC is the one with the most sort of uh, surrounding it. So it was founded, it said, by Dennis Nickerton, who doesn't seem like maybe the guy you'd want around for dinner with your parents. (laughs) So, and this is not from me, this is from the Foreign Times, has described him him as a Moscow-born far-right militia leader and a notorious extremist. The Telegraph said he's a Russian neo-Nazi hooligan and Reuters said yesterday a far-right Russian national. Um, And he's got a 10-year ban to Europe's Schengen zone for uh, what's reported as far-right activity. So he was born in Russia, lived in Germany, and then when he was kicked out, he moved to Ukraine in 2017. So he's the leader of the RVC, and then the Freedom of Russian Legion is there as well. And these are said to have you know up to like a thousand members in each. So these are not small legions. Now, are they part of Ukraine's security? Yes, you know there was. Um, and I haven't got the name of who said it, but one of the spokesmen for Ukraine's defence has said, well, while in Ukraine they're working as part of our security, but they work independently in such things as right, what we've seen happen now. And what we see saw earlier this year, I believe March, we saw them cross into Bryansk as well, and that was a much quicker in and out movement into Russia and back, and this one as well, that they're working independently and that they're also saying that Ukraine had nothing to do with it and there were no... Ukraine, Ukrainian foreigners, uh, sorry, Ukrainian citizens involved in this. So it's all over the place a little bit. There's evidence of Ukrainian citizens involved as well, though, with guys who were located that were born in Russia, were ethnically Russians, but moved to Ukraine, gained Ukrainian citizenship, and then were seen in these as well. But it's very difficult. But what did these actually accomplish? And I actually think it's a bit more, I actually think it accomplished more than Maybe you're saying, I think, I actually think it gave a lot. Now, did it accomplish a large amount of ground? Well, 
not really because according to the maps now, they've moved back out of the Territory now. Some people will say they are still in the Territory, but it's it's hard to know exactly what is actually happening right now. But according to Deep State Map and a lot of the maps I've looked at, it's said that they're out now. So whatever, we can't speak for this there. But I think the biggest thing it did really accomplish is an embarrassment for the Russian forces. Like, you've basically crossed a border, basically seemingly undefended. You know, we've seen maximum of a couple of guards killed. Like, it's it's not many. There's basically no defence there. Moved in a number of kilometres, taken ground. It, it's, it's an embarrassment. And it's proven that this area isn't that secure. So therefore, what's going to have to have to happen is Russia's going to have to pull reserve troops from somewhere, vehicles, you know, um, defensive positions, everything, and pull this stuff and now enforce, you know, security along the border. And this isn't just enforcing security on the border, border of Belgrade. This is going to have to be across the whole Kharkiv Oblast, across to where, basically, where Belarus meets. You're going to have to have these, it's hundreds and hundreds of kilometres of border has now been proven, basically, to be undefended. Well, at least in this region, they're going to have to now defend that. Like, what are the civilians going to think if they've just crossed? Like, imagine America was at war with Mexico. And at one point in the Mexican border, people just crossed tens of kilometres. You're going to go, what the fuck's going on? Why isn't this defended? So I think it's had a big like a big impact there and the amount of resources that may need to be pulled to defend this could be a lot and could really have an idea or have an impact on that combat capability going further. And even Prigozhin has come out, and I don't have the quotes, basically, I don't have the like actual quotes of what he said, but basically saying that Russia cannot defend that border and has called out like the Russian Federation. And man, Prigozhin, like... I'm not saying he's a good guy, no. but at least he releases a heap of shit and he gives so much content for people like you and I. Like He's just <laughs> feeding shit out. And it's like, it's like, go, thank you. You go, there's three minutes more footage. But he's, he's at least he's taking some things head on too. Like he has come out and said that he lost 20,000 guys in yeah, Buffalo. 10,000 prisoners, 10,000 professional soldiers. Now, was it more than that? Probably. You know, everyone buffers the numbers down on how many. But at least he's saying it. And he could have come out and said 200. It's not like the Russian Federation said that. Like, and he's, he's talking about this and he has shown empathy towards some things, but he's calling this out as far as you're not securing it. Now, I am going to put my fucking tinfoil hat on here. I reckon, that because Prigozhin's business, Wagner Group's business, is war. Who's he paid for it by? Well, he'll get paid by the highest bidder at the moment state of Russia. I think he's calling out this border crossing so much because I think his guys have just done a hell of an op- like hell operation operating in hell in Bakhmut. They need a rest from that. That's insane. Like the surviving guys, they've gone through some shit. I think he's calling out this border operation so much because he will go the Russian Federation is incapable of securing their border. Wagner Group will do it. That's what I reckon he could be calling it out so hard for. And he, of course, I believe, has massive political ambition. And this is why he's calling out people like Shoigu. However, from there, Garisimov as well. He's calling them out for political political gain and ambition from there as well. And if you were living in Russia and all these other leaders are silent on things, not talking about um, any defeat, not talking with any empathy towards tens of thousands of people killed and also showing no evidence of taking any ground. And then you pop in Prigozhin, who has shown that he can take some ground, has has spoken with empathy. He'll become a very popular figure here. And we know the Russian Federation is going to go through a massive shift in political figures. We know it is. Putin's old. Putin potentially could be unwell. Potentially there could be a coup. Russia could fall. It could break up. What could happen is, is anyone's guess. It's a big thing. But Prigozhin, I think, is setting himself up for popularity in some of that as well. And also, it's a business. He needs to continue business. Is he going to go to Sudan next? Is he going to move on the front line? Or is he going to try and take up that? I don't know. It's, it's, a very, it's a very big thing. But the other big accomplishment of this is, well, of course, it, it gave a lot of like good propaganda 
of like, you know, you see every single group is like, it's called now uh, Bilharat, not not Belgorat. And we're going to have the, the People's Republic of Belgorat, of Belgorat and, and all this. So it's given like a, another real upkick and coming off the back of a defeat in Bakhmut. And I talk about a defeat as far as a um, an area defeat. Now, did the Bakhmut meet Grunder work and wear down forces? Yes, it did. Did that happen on both sides? Absolutely did. Both sides lost a lot of people, a lot of equipment, and a lot of highly trained guys as well in Buckwood. Both sides did. Did Russia lose more? You would think they would have been on the offensive. Typically, that's how it works. But it's given Ukraine at a time when, you know, it was looking a bit, like, you know, a bit dire because, hey, like, Buckwood just fell. Hey, Look at what we've done. We've pushed tens of kilometres into here. It's given like a massive morale kick. And and, and whether this was the idea of this attack or not, it's cause and effect. It doesn't need to be the idea of it in the beginning, but the cause and effect took the Bakhmut, you know, loss and, and collapse off the media's radar. If you look up just Ukraine, the first thing that comes up is all of this. It's all of this and then the F-16s. So it's taken... Bakhmut, which was a war of over eight months and tens and tens of thousands of men, it's just completely pulled that out of the media and then put this success back into the top of the media and it's given a big push to that as well. So whether that was the initial thought going in, which is what the pro-Russian side will say, I don't know. But the effect of it has been that anyway and it's a good effect for this. You know, propaganda leads the war and this can give a winning balance. This can get um, enforce more... Russian people to maybe surrender and join these forces. It could, you know, uh, fire up more support for these forces, these legions, and as well as more, you know, morale for the Ukrainian side in this conflict. So it's, you know, it's one of those things that I think has actually had a big effect. And even if on the map it doesn't look like much, or even if on the map now it's nothing, it's a big effect. And was it a distraction from other things? Is there build-up around that area of more pushes in? And was it testing the waters? Was it testing the waters for, right, if we have this this Russian group, we're saying a Russian group, who is somewhat state-backed, but there's a degree of separation between it, we'll give them a couple of weapon, Western weapons, or they're using a few Western weapons, cross into Russia, right, what is the political fallout from this? It, it, with a with degree of separation. So we can say, hey, that's not our people at all. Was there any fallout? Not really. Is there distancing from them? Yeah, there is. The Americans are distancing from that. The Ukrainians are also distancing them from that. Well, the American, Has it been a huge fallout? Not not, really. not yet. I don't know. The spokesman of the White House National Security Council, John Kirby, just stated now that they're launching an investigation to determine if U.S. provided equipment was used during the recent operation. By I can Korea. tell you that it was. I think everybody knows this. <laughs> I mean, like he's putting this out there. I don't know. And if, if so... How were they able to obtain this equipment? And this is probably one of the goofiest statements I've ever seen. I think anybody on planet Earth right now would, would realize, you see an MRAP drive over with some Humvees, where in the world those come from? We already know that. But I wanted to speak on, so you said earlier that, that Willie thinks it's a CIA op. I'm, I'm not thinking it's a CIA op, but what I will say to people is don't think that Western intelligence services have no sort of influence on this war and aren't influencing things. Of course they are. What do you think they're going to sit out the largest war in 80 years? And same with the Ukrainian, the GUR, the SBU, they have their own intelligence things going on as well. And that can be from or from really zero to hundred, from flyers over the front line, giving guys ideas how to surrender, through to running information campaigns, and all this sort of stuff. But there's also a lot of speculation around who these groups actually are as well. So are they, you know, fully Russian um ethnic citizens as well or is it something different going on where is this actually happening and and i'll just speak to that and this is definitely from very pro russian channels and media so of course i think with any state media state channels i just think take everything with a grain of salt no matter the flag sitting beside the name but they've made several claims that the group does not exist and that this is a, a ukrainian pr project run by ukrainian intelligence and this would make it sort of a triple false flag but would it work that? Okay, I guess so. So Russia's calling it out for sort of being a false flag operation, which I don't know. But is there a lot more in this than we currently have available to us? I think absolutely. Were these the Russian legions crossing? Yes. Are the, were other Russian legions backed at some degree by either intelligence or you know, a separate 
uh, entity or whatever. I think probably most likely we've got MRAPs, M4, CZ, things like that. So it's it's difficult. It's difficult to know exactly what is going on, but it did accomplish, I think, a lot in this. But it's it's a really hard one to know exactly who went, what happened, and really what the overall actual goal was in there. Was the goal to take it out of the media? Was the goal to capture bits of Russia? Was the goal a distraction from other elements moving in? It's all up in the air. We have I, we I have no I idea. Keep, I keep seeing this mapping from people. I don't want to put it up either. It's just uh, how many how many different. Um, well, they're saying that there's three, the three Ukrainian map is saying there's three axes, yeah, three, three and I haven't areas. seen that replicated over any source that I would say is reliable. So deep state, ISW, and also to a degree, Rybar. And I'm not saying Rybar is super reliable, but I also like to take in what they have and compare that to the uh, the Western sources as well. So you have sort of have the two um, narratives and then put in where that is. And none of them are showing that. Now, interestingly, what that map, and it might actually be worth showing that three-axis map. That three-axis map is showing those but what the Rybar map which is of course a pro-Russian map but what the Rybar map is showing is there's a build up on those other two axes so there's that middle axis at that funny bit of border and that um, the eastern axis which I believe is below it's something it's a very long name it's like Shemivkia or something yeah. I don't have it in front of me at all I'm just going off memory but Rybar is showing build up on those two so this is sort of what I try and do is you've got that map of course the Ukrainian one showing his axis you've got Rybar showing a build up but no movement in and I'm like hey there might be a 50-50 here or some idea like what what is going on here so it's hard to know it is very hard to know what happened and what's going on, and if it is still continuing. People say it's still continuing. People say it hasn't continued. Deep State has shown it's gone in and come out. But my whole thing is, if it was 80 guys operating for more than a couple of days without supply, it's just not going to happen. You're not going to have enough ammo, water, food. You don't have enough guys to have like even a sleep rotation. Limitations of this operation, no matter how bad the Russian force in that area are, the limitations of that operation are human limitations sleep food taking a shit carrying what you can those are the limitations of how far far that operation can actually go no matter how well trained these guys are and that as well as we've seen a number of russian airborne assets as well ka-52 helicopters mi-8 helicopters you know attack and transport style helicopters operating in that area as well trying to flush out those guys so it's very, very difficult. But we do know that they did capture at least one BTR, I believe 82. They did capture from said to be the border checkpoint and have driven that back to Ukraine. So they've captured a war trophy from that as well. And there's some evidence I'm seeing as, as another BTR 80 as well. Like imagine that. You and the boys cross into a foreign country, steal an armoured vehicle and drive it out. You would be like... That'd be funny. You'd be on top of that, like pissing yourselves laughing, like, fuck you, as you're crossing back over. Like, that'd be piss funny. Yeah. You know what I think this actually might end up doing? If America doesn't get super pissed, and they, like, maybe they don't slap their wrist, this might actually cause them to start doing this randomly. But if America's not super pissed, this is what I spoke about of, is this dipping your toe in the water? If what, America's what not they, pissed. What if they go across... They piss off the... Like, this guy actually could be a half-decent idea. Like, the Russians actually don't do anything. Like, say they don't do anything. You know, like, they keep saying, oh, my God, you're going to cross the red line. Well, they they never have actually ever done anything. But we, we have crossed, line. like, 50 of Russia's That's what I'm saying. So they Same get, as Russia has they, crossed our red they, line. They, Same they, in Syria. They nothing, crossed ours. We did nothing. But nothing happens. They keep going across. What if they keep going across over the next couple of weeks and it forces the Russians to really shift some of their men to that border to stop this from actually no, Absolutely. It's Imagine shift how, costs. Well, I mean, yeah. you think about how long this border it's really is. It's hundreds of kilometers. Imagine that actually is the case. Because I just read something else that there's another group right now operating on the opposite side of the border doing the same thing. Literally right now, they just posted a picture about it. Right now. Doing the same thing the other way. No, no. Doing it like again in a oh, small right, pocket. Okay. Like another group of small men yeah. or a small pocket of men going across the water. They're not really. So the point of this is, is never to hold the ground. It's, it's more like to take a... A needle and just kind of like poking another, like mm. the bear. Just like, yo, here, take this. Yeah. But at some point, that bear may turn around and... Well, there's there's the idea too, and this was speculated a, a few months ago, and I've spoken a little bit about this with yourself, I believe, and on mine, about could Ukraine swap territory back? Yeah. 
Now, yeah, maybe. an assault on Crimea, there is a lot of people saying that that could be a death trap. You know, And it would be a very hard operation. There's really two ways in. The Kurtz Strait, Russia absolutely has naval dominance throughout the Sea of Azov and the Black Sea, absolutely has naval dominance in there. It's a very hard area to take back. Could Ukraine do it? Well, that's known by the Ukrainian defence and by uh, the Ministry of Defence of Britain and America and the West as well, if it could be done. But could Ukraine move into an area like Belgorod or other areas, Bryansk, areas like that, take up positions and go, hey, we'll swap you back this for Donetsk or this for Lugansk or this for Crimea? There was speculation around that happening. Now, will we see that? I don't bloody know. No one, I don't have a crystal ball. No one, anyone who reckons they have a crystal ball of what's going on, an idiot. Don't listen to him. But could that be a legitimate strategy? I guess so. We've seen that it's not defended there. So we don't know. It's crazy. But I know like, that one of the funniest things that actually came from this thing, I don't know if you saw this video and you probably haven't yet, but it was it was the Russian colonel attempting to give some events some motivation. Do you see this thing? I have seen that. Yeah. You see it? This is, I'm going to go ahead and play this video for them, Charles. With the Soviet patching his arm. Yeah. So yeah, but we were wondering how many more of these these or how so many of these these high ranking men have actually died during this entire war. And this is this I, I think this could have been staged. By the way, I have no idea. They could this guy could have went in there after the, the area's been cleared and like, all right, I want to look good doing some cool stuff. That's that's not super shocking. That was he's just walking willy nilly down the road, just like like a damn border crossing guard, like go go, and they had a giant like Soviet the traffic lights around. Yeah, the traffic lights around. He's just going them and a big uh, he didn't have a Russian flag yet. He, like you pointed, out, he had a Soviet flag on his. On his arm instead of a patch. And this is like a, it's a colonel. Damn colonel. And we got Prigozhin, who is giving us the snippets from that we all love. Um, he's asking about, and he not asking, he's telling the world on how well the, the actual Russian operations out of Ukraine is really going. Да, денацификация, да? Таким образом, денацификация Украины, о которой мы говорили, мы сделали Украину нацией которая известна всем во всем мире, и это как, я не знаю... Now as you guys saw there, he's actually speaking nothing but truth. Uh, he's talking about how they're turning into having a, a decent-sized military now, not because they went from having like 2,000 men to now having 200,000 men actually at the ready, and now they're equipped by America. We all know this. Now to Willie's point, which I don't know if he's brought this up yet, and I know we talked about this beforehand, is the amount of equipment that's being sent there just so they can easily be drugged into being a NATO country at that point because now they have so much NATO equipment. I don't know if that's the case, but you did bring that up earlier. I don't know if you brought it up in the podcast. Yes, I saw a theory on that. I saw a theory on, like, if the war were to end, imagine the war were to end 12 months ago, that Ukraine would still have an absolute majority of Soviet equipment, and if they became a NATO EU country, they would still need to purchase equipment to have it. But if it's given within the wartime on these programs and the um, the presidential act or whatever bloody Biden has to do it, who has got the worst accountant or the best accountant in the world. I don't know if you've spoken about that with the $3 billion missing, but either way, it arms them to a NATO standard within this conflict. And when it ends, basically refitted to a NATO country more easily than be able to slip into a NATO standard. And this was the theory, and this is full on bloody um, tinfoil hat conspiracy oh. that I saw. The tinfoil hat conspiracy was like Maybe the war will get called off. We'll never see this vehicle used in the offensive, but it will easily slip into a Western uh, NATO-equipped uh, military. And, like, I don't believe that, but it was an interesting topic to speak on, at least well, to read on, because it's like, well, yeah, they're getting equipped up to this standard. And Prigozhin talks about this as well, that the standard of the Ukrainian military is very, very high that they're fighting against. But there is also a level of psyops in him saying that too, because... 
one of the dumb things Prigozhin could have said, as far as his own propaganda and that propaganda, is if he came in and said, the Ukrainian military is shit, they're not well trained, they have poor equipment, and then it took them three months to overtake somewhere like Bakhmut, Solodar, then it, it looks like, well, you guys were fighting what you're saying is a shit train force. Why did it take so long? So what Prigozhin needs to do is he needs to talk about how good the Ukrainians are, but we still bet them. So it also feeds into his propaganda and their narrative as well. You always, with Prigozhin, need to look, I believe, two, three steps beyond of what's actually being said and what's being said. Is Ukraine a well-equipped, well-trained force with experience? Absolutely in some aspects of it. There's absolutely really well-trained guys, really great equipment, and the experience across everywhere is very, very high. Ukraine has more experienced operators in conventional warfare than the entire NATO, entire West put together. Way more. You know, very, very few living people in the West have conventional wartime experience. Ukraine has hundreds of thousands of guys. Mm -hmm. Um, And has anyone in the West fired a javelin against a modern tank? No. So... It's 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 funny of that, but I think Prigozhin too. He needs to talk up that side to, to sort of. So if he talks up that side, it makes his side look like this. If that makes sense, and this is a business for Prigozhin, it's a business. He needs like and at the end of the day, people hire him. If you're a bad guy, if you live in Africa doing bad shit, you know, mining lithium illegally to send to Elon Musk, who which PMC are you going to hire that's cost effective and savages? If you hire one of the Western PMCs, you just go, go murder that whole village. The guys just won't do it. Wagner Group, don't fucking do it. They've done it. They've done it in Southeast Asia. They've done it in Africa. They've done it in in Ukraine. So, at the end of the day, it's a business, and all of this business um, business decisions, and also, I believe, massive political ambition. And I think if we did see like some people speculate, I don't believe we'll see the Russian Federation break up. I just don't think we will because I think that would cause more issues than it would fix because you're going to have a broken off bid with fucking nuclear bombs in it. And Putin's one thing. Imagine Prigozhin or Shogu or some other oligarch with nuclear bombs. Fuck that. So I think even if it was looking like it would break up, there may be some stabilisation effort. I don't know. But I think if it does, you'd see Prigozhin lining himself up for a position as well. It's 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 hard. And again, we've gone off track. Not as far no, as I you go off track we're going all the to. time. You're the king of going off track. I would tell you right now, Hey, you tell me we need to make these 45 minutes. I, 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 I said, we just got to be around. We just got to have enjoy ourselves. But I'm, I'm saying the Russians are on their own network now questioning uh, their ability to even defeat the United States, which we all know is not going to ever happen. Well, that was not going to happen. What's that? that was never I gonna know, happen. but... The Soviet know, Union may have. Like, not defeat. Maybe. The Soviet Union know. may have had Destroyed a, everybody. Well, the thing is, we would have... The Soviet Union and America at the time were very comparable forces. They're very comparable. But the thing is... Look at those era weapons. We're not still using what well, we are from some um, some elements, but as far as tanks, weapons, whatever, we're not still using equipment from that period. So Russia like peaked in. It's like it's like the hot girl in high school peaked. Pe- they peaked at that time. Soviet Union peaked at at in the eighties, and it's been sort of just trickling off since. And they lost half, or not half, but they lost a lot of their land, whatever. So. It sort of peaked then and has trick, been trickling off since to sell a massive nuclear arsenal. Yes. Could they hold a flame to America? Fucking not even close. Like, it's no, it's not even comparable. Could they still make a big effort? Well, you've got nuclear weapons. Nuclear weapons are a big issue everywhere. It's like those people on TikTok. There's this group of, like, ten dorks, I see, who are, like, part of this, like, de-nuclear the world or something, and they're doing this whole, like, petition shit about to, like, get rid of nuclear weapons. And it's like, where's that going to fucking go? Like, what? Like, try and ban plastic bags or something. You are not going to get China, US, France, UK, Russia. To You on TikTok are not going to get Biden and Putin to stand up. Because, yeah, maybe we should get rid of our nuclear bombs. Currently, Russia's only deterrent. Like, if Russia did not have nuclear weapons, NATO would be involved in this, I believe. In in a boots on the ground hitting things aspect, Charles. I think so. У меня вопрос о стратегическом поражении Америки, о котором вы упомянули, как о нашей цели. Ну, звучит эффектно, конечно, большинству наших зрителей понравится, но мне все равно в этом почудились такие ритуальные заклинания. Все-таки у меня вот ощущение, но, наверное, вы меня опровергнете, что 
So those type of videos you guys just saw, they're really enjoyable with me being American because I, 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 they, they can't even answer the simple question. The guy gets asked it, how did, how are we going to defeat it? Because he always, he's always coming up with the stuff like we got, we got to, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this, and the guy responds with, they need to learn how to jump over a two meter high pole. That, that was his response. Like, how are we going to beat America? We need to learn how to jump over a two meter high pole. You want to learn how to jump over a two meter high pole? You got to, you know, what? Like, you're being, you're being asked a direct question. How are you going to defeat the world's most powerful country? And you say. Right now, we know how to jump over a half a meter pole. We need to be able to jump over a two meter pole. That that literally does not answer a single thing I, I, I just asked you, which is, I, I, I enjoy seeing those kind of things. He hates them. I enjoy them, but he's also a Russian sympathizer, so it makes him look really stupid when I, we put these Russian things on here. It makes if it I'm a Russian sympathizer, you're a Ukrainian boss. Oh, my God. <laughs> Three minutes ago, guess what just what? happened? Send it. DeSantis just filed paperwork to run for U.S. president. Well, speaking on, not on that, but of, of Russia uh, defeating the U.S., of whatever, I haven't seen that video, but the U.S. will collapse itself before any country holds a flame to the U.S. Well, yeah, 100%. Yeah. The stuff here we do here in America, it's really, really dumb. But Well, all great, all the great um, sort of countries have fallen at one point. And if you're Rome. a Roman living in Rome, yeah. you wouldn't you would never have thought you could be defeated or fall. Greece, the same. All these. UK. Is America going the is America going the way of that? I believe we're probably seeing it. Is it the end of an empire? I don't know. The UK? Look at the UK. The UK was a powerhouse. They owned like half the world. And now it's like Dudes in Adidas tracksuits stabbing each other on a subway. <laughs> yeah. Ads telling you not to wear a Rolex in the city of London. Uh, yeah. Half of London's owned by the Saudis. You know this? The Saudis own like fucking half of London, man. Like the Shard. Have you been to London? Yeah. Shard, like the big glass building. It's like 95% owned by the Saudis. Same with like all this other shit. It's fucking wild. It's like Australia's half owned by the Chinese. It's fucking wild. Their entire electricity grid in two states owned by the Chinese. Epic. That'll go well for us. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening today. I guess we'll hear you something from Willie tomorrow. I'm actually thinking I'm going to take him fishing tomorrow for the first time in his life. Oh, I've never been fishing. So this should be, this should be really I live in Australia and don't go fishing. This should be really enjoyable. So thank you so much, everybody. I will catch you guys tomorrow.